Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Subscribe and rate it. Five stars. And the greatest podcast. Whether you're listening or watching, remember always keep it squatchy. Yeah. And now your hosts, Cliff Berkman and James Bobo Fay. Hey, Bobes, what's happening, man? Not much. What's going on with you, Cliff? Oh, just another day in paradise. It's like 60 degrees. It's drizzling outside. It's pretty cool. I love this weather. Fall, I think, is probably my favorite time of year. It's just so pretty, and I love the temperatures and the rain. It's great. It's, it's definitely my favorite time of the year, for sure. And yeah, I just got back uh, yesterday from uh, – went out for a couple of days. Uh, we went squatching and getting wood, and we ended up traveling way out, way, way out. Like, geez, I think we took like two hundred two hours and 45 minutes – Northeast, he went out uh, above Soames Bar until we found some standing dead madrone at like, God, it was like 5,600 feet or something. And we ended up camping up there. And it was supposed to be like really warm, but it was so high up, we got pretty frozen. It was pretty freezing. But yeah, we ended up, uh, got two cords. And one day, we, it was kind of a, all the easy stuff was people had gotten. So we had to like, and we didn't, we forgot our chains to like choke them out, you know, to, Chuck out the haul out the any like logs, especially like on a downhill slope. So we were just having it. We drove and drove and drove till we got way up, and then we found some up there. So we got a couple cords, but we got to go get some more. We're gonna get some more. I think we're gonna go out Highway 36 back to that spot we go down out there on the east side. Yeah, well, west of the five, but east of the 101. Wow, wow, that's a long ways out. That's a long ways out for you. But God, no, nobody's down there. Nobody's down there at all. And there's been a couple of things that have gone down uh, within eight miles of that spot. We used to camp all the time. And uh, so there's two spot, two things that have been going on down there. And so we're going to go there and uh, there's there's a lot of wood down there, Madrone and stuff. So we're going to go down and get some Madrone and then do a couple of days uh, squatching. Yeah, you do. I mean, you must be Bigfooting while you're out there, I guess, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, at night, although, yeah, the other night, though, it was so beautiful and it was so warm up on that ridge before it dropped cold. We were we were like at a sat we were up a three hundred sixty degree view, just of the whole like Marble Mountains and wilderness and Trinity Alps and the it was like a three quarter moon and it was just so beautiful. We, ended up, we were we were just playing music and uh, we heard something come around. I think it was deer, but because uh, it was so we were so high up, I couldn't imagine anything being up there. Like you know, end of October, beginning of November, I don't see some 
squatch hanging out, you know, above five, 6,000. Yeah. We were like, yeah, we were like 5,700. So I think, you know, they, I don't think they were above 4,000 at the highest this time, especially with the, uh, the, uh, steelhead run going and a few salmon. But yeah. We, we got no salmon fishing this year. Like there's no salmon fishing at all down here. Oh yeah. I'm not sure what's going on here. I hear they're in the river right now, but I, I keep hearing about coho and that's about it. Um, and, and I, but I did hear catch a lot of the news about a bad salmon year and stuff for all for the, the entire Pacific Northwest, which includes you, of course. Oh, but dude, they're catching freaking. I see my buddy's buddy holding a, uh, he sent him a picture that when I was talking to him, 175 bluefin, eight miles off the Eureka, like five boats went out. The smallest, the way they were catching were like over 125 and up to, uh, and up to 225. Oh geez, that's that. Those are big, big fish. I, I've heard the bluefin in Southern California have not left like like for a year or two or three or something. It's a ridiculous bite down there. And of course, bluefin are a cold water species, or not cold. They're they're a little bit of everything water species actually. Cool, yeah, they can do them pretty well in cool water um, as well as the tropical stuff like down by Guadalupe Island and stuff. But um, fishing is fishing, man. It's you aren't going to catch them unless you go. It's like bigfooting in a lot of ways. I wish I can get out there. But hey, have I talked to you since uh, ten, my Tennessee gig? I don't think so. Yeah, I went out to Tennessee gig and, of course, you know, good stories, et cetera, and stuff. But I guess the most important thing that I wanted to bring up there, um, maybe this will ring a bell if I told you. Uh, Melissa got scared into the house while I was gone by something big and heavy outside. No. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago. Um, I I, ha- I don't remember the date, but I think it was 2018 or ni- it must have been 19. I was out. I was on expedition with Dr. Meldrum out here in the, um, the Mount Hood National Forest, and I happened to catch a reception a little bit. I checked in with Melissa one night, and... Um, and because she was home alone at that point, and she says something scared her inside the house. Coyotes were around. She goes, "Oh, coyotes!" Blah blah blah. And then, like thirty minutes later, twenty minutes later, something went boom on the lawn, and just this huge thudding noise that she felt in her chest. And she was out on the porch at the time, and she she basically goes, "What the hell is that?" And went inside and closed all the curtains and said, "What do I do?" And I said, "Count yourself lucky and listen," you know, um, which didn't help her at all. She probably, poor thing was probably scared. Um, but anyway, um, she was out uh, th- this time about two weeks ago um, or something like that because I haven't spoken to you for a while, I don't think. And if I did, I didn't nah. mention this. Um, she, you know, we, we just had this Halloween party this past weekend. I don't know if you right. know. Right. I, I was going to try to make it, but I could, there was no way. I, mean, I thought I might be able to. Well, from what I remember, it was a pretty good party. Um, <laughs> I'll just leave it like that. But uh, um, she, she, we, she made a haunted house under the deck. And with all of her props and sound effects and this and made a little story out of it and all this. And it was a, a wonderful, cute little thing. I've got a video of it. Maybe uh, I'll ask Matt Pruitt to put that on our member section for people. Um, but when she was out, she was out there like a dusk, like just post dusk, you know, it was getting pretty dark, which is pretty rare for Melissa because she's scared to go outside at night. Um, <laughs> she was out there and then she, she over at the same area over by the apple trees on the other side of the property, not that far away. She, uh, once again, she heard a boom like this big thud, right? And she goes, what the, she stopped. And then she heard, boom, 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 off into the brush. She heard this like big, heavy, heavy, heavy footsteps off into the brush away from the property down towards the power lines. And, uh, and I, I just, I got word of that and I go, holy smokes, they might be back. That, isn't that interesting? Uh, so is, is, there, is there a tree that it could have jumped out of and landed and then stomped off or do you think it just was a foot stomp? I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I wish I would have heard it. If I would have heard it, I probably might have a better answer for that question. But since I don't know, I just don't know. Yeah. So I don't, that, that's something I, I wanted to share with you. Um, I mentioned the Halloween party. It was great, by the way, a lot of fun. 
Other than that, man, um, I went out once. I found two possible footprints over at Easter Island. I'm not quite sure. Um, but they're like the, the things were pushed down and they had the right shape or whatever, but nothing you can take to the bank. So I'm just putting that in the maybe pile. Not even adding that to the database at this point, you know. Um, and other than, and I guess the other cool thing I wanted to share is just earlier today, less than an hour ago, I was talking to Neil Beck, the uh, the 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 what is it, the great nephew of Fred Beck. Yeah, and it was my great pleasure to tell him that the Ape Canyon mine had been rediscovered because he had not heard that yet. Oh, he had is oh, so he, I th- isn't he, his cousins were the ones that rediscovered it? Isn't it his cousins or? I guess I, I don't really know how family like that works, but I know it was the great grandsons of one of the miners. But it wasn't one of the Beck. It wasn't Beck. The, the the it wasn't in the Beck family. I think it was the Smiths or somebody. I don't remember the family, but it wasn't the Becks who found who rediscovered the cabin. It was the great grandsons of one of the other miners. Yeah, but they were, but those guys were like cousins or ne- ne- nephew and uh, you know nephew and uncle or something. Like there was uh, some of the original four or five eight canyon miners were. I think three of them were related. No, oh, I don't know. I mean, Kalama uh, um, was a small town back then. Maybe the, most of them were related. Who knows? But anyway, yeah. So I, I got the I got the pleasure of speaking with him, and I asked him. He has these photographs, I guess, uh, of of, a, of the cabin. Maybe he says, "Yeah, I remember having those in my stuff somewhere." When I unpack them, I'll let you know. Um, I asked him about it, and he did. He hasn't he hasn't run across those yet. But I'm going to keep calling and asking him because in the museum here, um, I'm upstairs at the museum right now. In the museum here in 2024, we're going to do a year long celebration of the 100th anniversary of the Ape Canyon incident. So pretty excited about that. That's cool. Very cool. Very cool. We're going to have some artifacts on display. We have some cool, uh, the Beck family has uh, lent me some um, official documents and whatnot on which Fred Beck has written his autograph and his wife had written her autographs, like land deeds and stuff like that. So there's going to be some um, never before seen artifacts on display. Really, really cool stuff. So NABC in 2024, all year long, um, an Ape Canyon celebration. Going to get AP. That's so cool. As if I'm not AP enough. All right. Well, what's on the docket for today? Oh, I'm so pleased. This has taken a while to get together. It's taken a while to get together. Um, we've got a good friend on the podcast today. Um, and I, I kind of managed this through my wife because uh, Melissa's become good friends with her as well because of their, their heritage, Pittsburghian. Um, but yeah, today we have paranormal investigator and all-around cool person Heather Taddy on the show. Heather, um, well, well, we'll get into what Heather is and when, I'll let her tell us, frankly, because, I mean, I just know her as a person. I don't, even, I don't know that much about her career. I do know that she was on Paranormal State back in the day. That's a show I've heard of. I might might even seen part of an episode, which is big for me. But um, Heather, thanks so much for taking some time and coming to spend it with Cliff and Bobo. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on board. You you, you were part of Paranormal State. Was that the Pennsylvania College Kids? Yeah. So it was based off of the Penn State Paranormal Research Society, which was a student-run club backed by the university at Penn State. And I, uh, I had started going to meetings, but what, how I found out about them was I found out they ran this huge academic paranormal conference called Univcon in like the early 2000s. And they'd have like Lorraine Warren there. They'd have famous parapsychologists. Um, Jay and Grant would be there from Ghost Hunters because that was kind of around the time when their show came out. But I was like super impressed because it was truly like, it was very academic based and it was like put together really well. So I I was studying at Penn State for like a French test and I just came across this article that was like literally this newspaper, the school newspaper was like open to this spread that highlighted this club and I had transferred up to the main campus and I just kind of kept the article and joined the club and 
I had no idea it would turn into a television series at all. I just joined it because I wanted to start training to be a field investigator. And I, I really just wanted to gain access to haunted locations so that I could see stuff. <laughs> so you started showing up to the meetings, like were there cameras there? And you kind of said, what is this? Or what did it morph into it over time? No. So I guess two years before I had joined, they had filmed a pilot for a potential series. Um, this like Emmy award winning producer discovered the club because um, Ryan Viol, who started the club in like 2001, he assisted the police on this missing persons case in State College, Pennsylvania. And he suggested the use of a psychic. And that kind of became the basis for a different series. And then they wanted to do a series where they followed the club around helping families. So I didn't know about any of that, you know, going to these meetings. I just went to these meetings. They were at a building on campus like every Sunday night. And I didn't know anyone there. And it was just this very interesting group of people, maybe like 10 to 15 people. And we just shared our experiences and talked about famous cases. And then I found out about the training program and it just seemed like a really legit club. Like the, the manual for the club was like this huge pamphlet. It was, it was really serious. And I was really surprised to see that a college could put that together and was so serious about it. So that's kind of why I had joined the club. Um, but like, I've just always been interested in the subject of everything paranormal. So when I found out there was a club that I could go to and like learn more about it and actually be able to like gain access to places, I was like, oh, sign me up. And then about the sixth meeting in, sixth or seventh meeting, I noticed a new face in the room and it ended up being one of the producers and they were handing out these pamphlets. And then the next day I saw these signs all over campus advertising like, hey, do you want to go to haunted places and be part of like a docu-series that will be on A&E. And, you know, I was a part of the club and I, I had been going through the training process and it was a really like, really difficult process because you had to take all these extra tests, quizzes, and it was like adding another class onto your curriculum. So I went through it and ended up, me and Katrina Weidman were the only two that like made it through because it had like a 75% dropout rate and we made it through. And then we had tried out for the show and then we got cast and we were the two that they cast besides like three other people that were already like part of the club that started it. You must've just thought like, holy smokes, my life has taken a strange turn. Yeah, it was weird. And I remember like, you know, I studied film in college. I studied French. I, I always knew I would do something with film or TV because I just kind of grew up. I grew up doing these like weird commercials for like local radio stations and stuff in my hometown. And, um, when I was like a teenager, I was just obsessed with stealing my mom's video camera and just like, filming these ridiculous skits with my friends and just documenting like every moment of my life. So then I kind of used that in my investigating to try to catch evidence. Cause that's, you know, why I got into all this because of the stories and just being really fascinated with that. We don't have all the answers, but like, I just really wanted to see stuff that blew my mind and stuff that really challenged my beliefs. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Did you see anything that blew your mind? Yeah, I mean, I kind of went into it pretty skeptical, but then we worked on a lot of really serious client cases on Paranormal State, like in the early days. And that kind of swayed me more to be a believer because I did experience some things. I think one of the most, one of the early things I experienced was we were at this haunted schoolhouse. It was like a schoolhouse that they had uh, remodeled into like apartments. And this woman had all these experiences. We brought in a priest to bless the house and her, and her apartment was kind of set up like a loft. And I remember sitting on this couch facing these cabinets in the kitchen and while the priest upstairs was doing a blessing, this cabinet was closed, but this cabinet it wasn't angled. There was nothing sticking to it that could have caused it to like open. But it it literally just it didn't fly open, but it slowly just like opened right in front of us, right across from me. And I tried everything I could to like debunk it. We tried taking off the cabinet, but it was just it, it coincided with like a really weird moment when the priest was doing this like house blessing. So that was one of the very first things. And then which, where I was like, I have no explanation for that. Then, then I, I got touched one time at this location when I had no explanation and there was no nothing in my way that could have caused that. I was leaning up against this bathroom in this house in Oregon where this woman had seen this headless ghost walk back and forth. She always felt like she was being watched. And I was I was, we did this thing called dead time where we would like, turn off all the electronics, have as little people as possible in the space to avoid like interfering with noises and things. And we would just try to attempt spirit communication. And I was always the one on the show that would put myself in situations alone with a camera because I was always just like the brave person to do that. So I was in this bathroom where this client always felt uncomfortable and I was leaning against the sink and my arms were stretched out and I just felt something touch my elbow enough for me to bend it. And I had it all on camera so that you could see there was just like nothing around me. So those were two like earlier experiences. And like we, we would stay the night in the client's houses um, during like the first through second season, because it would allow us to kind of immerse ourselves more in the environment and have more experiences. And I remember just like trying to fall asleep. And before that I had never slept in any kind of haunted house. I didn't grow up in a haunted house. I had zero experiences. And I remember like, hearing noises that I couldn't explain and not being able to sleep and just like hearing something walk in the hall. And I remember from then on, I just started wearing earplugs to sleep. Yes. I still wear earplugs to this day when I sleep. Classic. Yeah. In the Bigfoot world, if you get touched on the elbow, it's like third base. (laughs) I want to come Bigfoot hunting with you guys. Oh yeah, you do. I would love to. Whenever you're out here, you know, I mean, you're, you're friends with the entire family now, so you got a place to stay if you ever want to come out. You're always welcome. That would be so fun. I want to go, I want to go squatching. Yeah. And some of our best spots are within an hour of the house too. Or I mean, as you heard in our, our, our preamble here that uh, you don't even really have to leave the property sometimes, some nights. So That's so cool. 
yeah. If that's what it was that she heard, you know, so all the good stuff happens when I'm gone. I wish I was, you know, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, or, if, you know, maybe who knows, who knows. What's going on, so. <laughs> are you on a show right currently? Are you, are you on a show now? Um, so I guest star on, uh, this show on the CW called mysteries decoded, where they kind of explore different, everything range, ranging from cryptozoology UFOs to just like famous haunted places. And, I've guest starred on three episodes so far. One of them premiered. We did Dulce Base out in New Mexico. Oh yeah, yeah, by Dulce New Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we have uh, good Bigfoot friends that live uh, out in that direction. Oh, cool! It's it's an interesting place. We I did that episode for their season two, and then their season three, which haven't premiered, hasn't premiered yet. I did two episodes for that. Um, but I I film and produce a series with Katrina Weidman called Travel the Dead um, on YouTube. Um, we have about five episodes up right now. We just premiered part one of uh, this haunted farm we investigated, um, and those those are free on YouTube. So that's kind of my focus now. I thought you were talking about Grateful Dead or something. Oh no, that would be funny. <laughs> it makes sense, though. Yeah, Travel the Dead. Yeah, I never, <laughs> I never put that together. That's really funny. Yeah, I just traveled the West Coast to see the dead personally. <laughs> Maybe we can have Bob Weir guest star on one of our episodes. <laughs> oh yeah, and call it Weir or Weird. <laughs> Bob Weird. <laughs> so I, you mentioned that you like uh, you, you're one of these people that isolates yourself and goes into these haunted situations alone. Um, do you do you think um, from your experience or what um, the experience of those who you trust um, that that is better to do that? Like it affects the the outcomes, like you get better results, or or, or does it change anything at all? From my experience, I think so because you're putting yourself in a more vulnerable position. You don't have as many distractions especially when you're in a house all alone. Um, you know, cause a lot of times, you know, working on, if, if we're, you know, talking about working on certain TV shows, it's, it's hard when you have people that haven't ghost hunted before. Um, cause I know, notice this even on like public ghost hunts at events that I do that people just move around so much and they don't realize they're doing it. So when you're in a situation alone, that's honestly, I prefer that because it opens you up more and you don't have distractions um, and like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, how do you do that? Aren't you scared? I'm just kind of like, I mean, of course any, anything in the paranormal field is scary because we don't really know what's going to happen and we don't really have answers for everything. So yeah, it gets scary, but like, I'm way more fascinated by it. And I want to put myself in situations so that I can have experiences and not be, you know, not running into the other room. That seems totally crazy to me. Just so you know. Really? Cause yeah, yeah. For me, the, the whole ghost thing in general is bewildering to me. Like I understand wanting to, to hunt, you know, or to, to chase down and try to see giant ape men. To me, that makes perfect sense for some reason, but to, to uh, fiddle around with things you can't see it, you don't understand and all that other stuff. And it's like totally bewildering to me. Um, and, and, and I'm glad you do it. I'm not, not putting it, putting that idea down at all. As you know, Melissa's totally into that, the whole thing. I'm hundred percent behind it. In fact, I didn't, this is something I did. I forgot to mention. Um, you know how for the museum membership, we do these two videos, two video documentaries, every single month for our members. Um, I just got, uh, on Halloween, I published the last one, which is uh, the one I edited together. We did a ghost hunt um, here in the, in, the, in the Bigfoot Museum because pretty much every single one of the employees, except for me and the manager, Nico, um, has had something weird happen. And that includes Melissa. You know, um, people like we're coming in the morning and things are off the shelf and like magnets, like these really strong magnets that there's no way that like are hard to pull up. They're on the ground in the morning, that sort of stuff. 
Dave, um, one of our employees, saw something or thought he saw somebody right behind him when he turned, he wasn't there. So um, for um, you know, we for these two videos every month for our members, we always do Bigfoot stuff. Usually our field investigations or deep dives into evidence. But once a year, Melissa takes control. And so she says, you know what? This year we're doing a ghost hunt in the museum. And everybody was for it. So I got to go on a ghost hunt. And um, it, we didn't get any, or I mean, kind of, I don't know, weird stuff happened. But um, it was during that ghost hunt that it was once again driven home to me that I don't know why people do that. Like, like you know, like, why would you, it's just, it's just scary. Why, I, I, why would you want to scare yourself that bad? I mean, I, I get it. And to each their own, Melissa loves to be scared. I, I totally get it. But to me, it's bewildering. And people, I guess, will always be bewildering to me. See, I kind of feel the opposite. I feel like trying to search for a giant creature that could potentially like trample you. I think that's terrifying. Oh, I get it. I get it. I mean, I, I, I think we're talking about the same thing. And, you know, some people like vanilla, some people like chocolate. You know, it's one of those things, I guess, at the end of the day. I, I kind of get it, but it's just so scary. You know, Melissa has me watch these movies and stuff, like these horror. You know, I never watched horror movies until I was trying to court Melissa. And then I did it and I had all these nightmares for a long time and I finally got over it. Now I can watch these things, right? And um, just the other night we were watching one on Halloween because it's Halloween season, um, Heather. I don't know if you noticed, um, but um, it's been apparently it's been Halloween season since July 5th. That's when uh, Melissa pronounced it. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's the best. I know you love Melissa too. She's the best. But I do. Um, she's, she's so cool. I want to be your best. I wish we lived in the same state. Oh, she has often said about said that about you, by the way. Oh. Melissa approved. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, but uh, I forgot where I was going with that. But nonetheless, it, it's bewildering to me. Like Melissa wants to go out and chase ghosts and she's scared to death of Bigfoots and just vice versa for me. It's like, I don't want to mess around with things that, you know, like I see all these movies and it plants ideas in my head about possession and losing your soul and whatever that means. And, and, and this horrifying visions in my head. I can deal with giant ape men. Do you know um, any of the history of the building that your museum is in? Very, very little. Very, very little. Yeah, I know only what the county told me, and they're so convoluted and such a mess that I, you know, you can't believe what they're saying because they don't have all the facts. They told me that no business has been in my building since 2004, and then yelled at me about my permits. And say, what? Why? You just told me no one's been in here since 2004. Why are you yelling at me about my permits? You know, and the address and stuff. But yet, I can name two or three other businesses that have been in my building since 2004 before I showed up. So they don't know anything. Was one a mortuary? No, there was a reptile museum. Oh, right. And a bakery. So you have reptile ghosts. Reptile baked goods. Yeah, perhaps. But yeah, yeah reptile. Ba- Actually, maybe the reptiles did the baking of the goods. So have you seen a ghost, Heather? I have never seen a ghost. I've seen a shadow person, I, but I have never seen an apparition. And I, I cannot believe it because I've been doing this for so long. And I feel like I've been in many situations where it could arise, but I've never seen one. But you want to. I do, yeah. So but the shadow person, tell me about that. Um, so I think I was at where was I? I was at I was at some asylum. Um, I don't even remember where it was, maybe like upstate New York or something, but it was down a hallway and it looked as if like some type of shadow like peeked its itself out into the hallway and then went back into the doorway. It was it happened super quick. But that's kind of that's the that's one of the times I've seen a shadow person. One of the first. One of the times. Yeah. Um, let me think. Everything blurs together, so I, I like to try to give details. But let me think of where the other one was. I think it was in a residential home. We were doing a client case, 
and it was perhaps in a basement, but it, 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 it's always something that happens really quick. And, you know, I'm always like, Oh, is it my IR light on my camera? But I think this time I was, I was in the dark and I had like a small light source and I saw just like a quick, almost as if something just like walks past you really quick and then you catch it out of your peripheral vision. Yeah. That's what happened to Melissa here at the museum. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, when you come out, we'll let you come in the museum and poke around. Oh, that'd be so fun. <laughs> yeah, I saw a shadow person. Yeah. What was your situation? Well, gather around. It's Bobo story time. Dude, he's going to see some things that'll blow your mind. Classic. And if you say he's lying, he's going to kick you behind. For sure. Once again, it's Bobo story time. Any description of felonious or criminal activity is being told here strictly for entertainment purposes and is in no way an admission of guilt or even true for that matter. I lived in this house that was like super noisy, like dudes living there, like bachelor scene, like music cranking all the time, blah, blah, blah. And people that would stay there and so say they, they hear stuff at night. I never had anything happen in like however many years I was there till the day I was moving out. And uh, we'd had a lot of uh, burglaries and uh, uh, there was a home invasion just down the street from us a couple weeks before. So I had my shotgun loaded in my house and we were moving out that day and had this big hundred pound pit bull. It was a killer, great watchdog. He was chilling in the house with me. And uh, it was, it was, a, it was like, I think the fourth house, yeah, it was the fourth oldest house in Arcata, California. And so, uh, you know, it was like 130 years old, whatever. And we were, uh, I was loading up. And so it had a, the bat, the bathroom was on the uh, North east corner and then southeast corner was the big kitchen and then going into the kitchen went into the dining room and living room. then on the right side of the house this was three bedrooms like in a row going down parallel to the living room and the dining room and the dining room um we had had a big open doorway like probably like eight foot uh yeah it's probably about an eight foot wide doorway we, we hung a um big uh quilt over it to keep the the house warm in the front and i was sitting there it was like two in the afternoon whatever and um, just taking the shells out of my shotgun, and, and I just see the the blanket lift up, and it I, I it was at the corner of my eye, but I turned my head as I turned my head and look, I see this like shadow lift up the rug and, and go underneath. I mean, not rug, the blanket, and go, go you know flip it up and walk through, and then the it flapped back down and went like you know pretty dark in there again. I was like, well, I go, DD, get him. And so uh, I'm, I was chasing, I, so I ran out there and, and my next door neighbor was out there. Uh, he was using our hose to flush his engine on his outboard on his boat. And he was right like 10 feet from the door and D-Day came running out. And I came running out of the shotgun. I'm like, do you see that guy? Did you see that guy that came out here? He's like, I was saying, no, no one came out. Then I, I said, oh man, he must've went in the bathroom. So I ran back in, went, let's check the bathroom. Then I thought maybe he went in the bathroom. Then when I ran out the door, it went, he went back into the house or so I, I went that way and running around, right out on the street, looking around, like nothing. There was nobody there. And I was, and the guy's like, what do you look like? And I'm like, it was just all black. There was no like distinct features to it. It was just a black shadow, but it was like, it lifted up the the curtain and walked through. And uh, it would, uh, um, did you know, with shadow people, they normally not need to do, they, couldn't they just normally walk through a wall or through a blanket like that? I have heard stories. Yeah. Like sometimes they come from a wall or like a solid material. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know if it's just like a different way that a possible spirit materializes. I don't know, but th- there's been connections too with like UFO cases where people see shadow people. Yeah. That, that wasn't this case. <laughs> 
Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So UFOs and shadow things might be related in some some way? Yeah, I've definitely worked with people who have had experiences where some type of like like abduction experiences where they see some sort of being in their house outside somewhere. And sometimes it appears as like a shadow. And then they, they, they have like missing time or something like that. And yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff with that. Now, now, now again, I'm not versed in all this stuff. I'm, I'm just a silly, you know, ape guy, but um, am I, am I right? Remembering the word screen memory here is it, could it be something like that? Yeah, yeah, I th- yeah, that's definitely a thing where people have experiences like that and maybe they see I know something popular is when people see owls. I think in a way just from, you know, having all my experiences with working with clients in haunted houses and then kind of switching over and working on client cases where people have had experiences seeing UFOs and then they go in their house and they have activity happen that seems like their house is all of a sudden haunted. And it all kind of correlates when, when they, they have seen these strange UFOs in the sky, or they have had cattle mutilate cattle mutilations on their property, which are always associated with UFOs. Um, so it, it's weird, but I've definitely had people report shadow people in their house, whether it's after they see a UFO or maybe after they get abducted or before they get abducted. You, you have clients you get paid for that. No, I, well, I did, um, this series for travel channel called alien highway. We traveled, you know, West coast, Midwest to areas where there were like UFO flaps of, of, you know, historical activity that people, then, you know, that a particular area was known for activity. And then years, decades later, it kind of amps up again. So we would go to places like that. And, uh, I did one case where a client, he had an abduction experience when he was 17 that he never really talked to anybody about. And he was actually uh, later on in his life when we met him, he was like, I think in his fifties, he lived on uh, the Merrimack river in Missouri. And he would see him and his wife would see these lights and they kind of thought that they were being targeted by UFOs. They would see balls of lights above trees, orange lights. Um, they would have activity on their house and he, we brought in a hypnotherapist to sort of unlock, you know, his repressed memories with, with all of this. And it was really weird to see him go through it because it was obviously a very traumatic experience. He missed two days of time and he held that story in all, all of his life. And it was almost as if he was taken back to that time when he was a teenager. And he described, you know, he was walking on the highway with one of his friends and all of a sudden in front of them, they were looking at like on the highway wall, these, these lights just lit up the wall and they turned around. And then the next thing they know, they saw this like craft and then they were in some kind of room and they saw these creatures that had long heads, long necks, big eyes. And next thing he knows, he was like in this chair back to back with his friend 
And then he described this being taking him to the top of this mountain and pointing down at the city and pointing down to the city lights and saying, um, these lights are bad. So through his therapy session, he kind of revealed this abduction. And then we were kind of came to the conclusion that like he was having PTSD from this experience and every light he was seeing, whether or not it was someone's house or it was a street light or it was like an unexplained light, he was associating, he was associating it with that experience he had when he was young. It's like almost he turned into a shadow man in a way, just prefer a guy who doesn't uh, shuns the light. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was really interesting to see. And I thought it was kind of interesting that the name of the last name of the hypnotherapist, she'd never had done any kind of alien uh, session or anything, but her last name was Kruger, like, like Freddy Kruger. And I just thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> I grew up on Voorhees Avenue. Mm. You know what that's from? Oh yeah. Friday the 13th. Yeah. My, my claim to fame is that when we were in high school was uh, our buddy, um, Chris's sister was Mandy Wiss. She was the first person killed in the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street series. She was the girl that got slammed against the wall, and then her she like her she gets dragged up the wall. It's like invisibly dragged. Dra- she was topless, and she got dragged up to the wall to the roof. Oh, and her, like her bed explodes in blood. Is that the? I think she was like with a dude in bed, and then yeah, she was with Johnny Depp. <laughs> that was J- Johnny Depp was in that. Yeah, that was his first movie role. I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. Then she was also uh, Brad's girlfriend in Fast Times at Ridgemont High when she goes, I think we should see other people our senior year. Oh, that's funny. Oh, you know what? No, I think I was wrong. No, I'm wrong. Johnny Depp was in Nightmare on Elm Street, but he wasn't in the room with her. It was that other guy. Because I remember that other guy went to jail because they thought he did it. Well, yeah, I think I think you're right. But Johnny Depp was absolutely in it. That, I think that, I don't know if it was his first movie or not. I'm going to trust you on that one. That's cool. So you went. you said you went to high school with her? No, her, her little brother. Oh, okay. But we all we all knew her. We were like all in love with her. <laughs> so so much of um, it seems that so much of the paranormal stuff, um, whether it's ghosts or UFO stuff and all that jazz, um, relies very very heavily upon um, uh, eyewitness testimony. Um, and of course, the Bigfoot thing is also this is also true, obviously. But um, I, I like to take it a step further in Bigfoot, and I, I really prefer to focus on physical evidence of any sort. Um, so I'm curious, over the many years and, and probably hundreds and hundreds of investigations, I assume um, that you've looked into, and what sort of physical evidence, if any, and maybe there's none, but I assume there has to be some, that uh, have you seen either for um, some some sort of ghosty sort of thing or perhaps a UFO-y sort of thing? Um, and I don't know what that physical evidence might look like. Um, it's an honest question. I'm, I'm curious about what sort of physical stuff have you run across? Um, well, when it comes to physical, like audible stuff, um, being in a, locked in a location with one other person uh, and hearing the sounds of footsteps above you, then it sounds so real that you think someone broke into the house. Um, that's happened to me several times to where you, you feel this one location I was at, I was sitting on the floor. It was an old nursing home, uh, called Malvern Manor. And I was sitting on the floor and, and the floor was carpeted. And I felt the sensation of someone walking around me to where I could see and hear the carpet, like, like almost moving. It felt so real that I I thought someone was like walking around me. Other than that, I'd say I've, I've, I've heard some pretty good EVPs to where it's, it's an intelligent response to an, to a very specific question. For example, one time I was at this really tiny 
jail in Texas somewhere. And I was in one of the cells and I had asked the question, you know, I was just like, oh, what did you do in here in your spare time? Like, what were some of the things you did? And you hear this clear voice, like a male's voice say twice, it said, sleep, sleep. And there was like, no, like it, it wasn't us trying to like make something out of nothing or find meaning and, and a noise. It, it was like, no one was moving. There were three of us sitting at a table and it was a direct response and it said, sleep, sleep. And I have a recording of that somewhere online, but um, those are a couple things. If that, if that answers your question, I know that there's more, I just have to really think. So you've had uh, these personal experiences and a few things recorded. Um, I remember one time, um, uh, back in the day when I first met, like you know, um, Greg and Dana Newkirk, for example, they did a, an episode of Finding Bigfoot with us, and um, and I was saying Bigfoots aren't paranormal, blah blah blah, and they said oh, I don't know, and they're being really cool to me, even though I was so stubborn about it, and I still am. Um, but uh, and I said, well, parent, uh, ghosts don't leave footprints, and they said, well, actually, and then they started telling me about these cases that they, they investigated were ghosts left footprints, and it sounds like this may have been one of those because of the pressure on the carpet. Um, would you say it, it falls in line with that sort of thought? Yeah. I mean, there, there were no markings, but I could see the carpet kind of moving. It, it just felt so real. And I mean, no one was that close to me that it would have been like that. Another experience relating to footsteps, um, which is a very, such a very like common thing, um, like happens like residually, but I was at Pennhurst asylum in right outside of Philadelphia and one of the buildings called the Mayflower building. Uh, it's where a lot of First of all, the the people that were that were at um, Penhurst were just people that were kind of rejected from society. Maybe they had a mental disability and their family didn't want them anymore, and so they put them at, at this this state hospital. And it was really sad. People were neglected, overcrowding, and one of the specific areas where people were just shoved in a room, and it was so overcrowded was in the Mayflower Building. And there were these like little kind of office corridors where they would put you know all the patients and. I remember I was I was doing an episode of Portals to Hell. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I never heard of that show, but that's a great name. Yeah, it's it's kind of a feel good thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack Osborne, and then my my friend Katrina was on it, and I I was on an episode where they only needed me for like part of it. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go into the Mayflower Building because no one's in there, and I'm just gonna kind of walk around and see what happens. And I was upstairs, and I was just like trying to have a conversation, just trying to say something to get a response. And I was standing there and I heard, and this, this is this multiple times this has happened to me at this location, but the floors are concrete and it sounds like someone was shuffling their feet and walking towards you and then stopping and then shuffling their feet and walking towards you. And you just have this overwhelming feeling that something is with you. And that's happened to me and to multiple other people several times. Um, but that's a really scary feeling because it felt like there was something in there and there was no explanation as to what was shuffling across the floor. No animals. It was like someone was wearing solid shoes and they were like hesitant. They were like shuffling towards me and then they would stop and then shuffle towards me. And then that actually really frightened me. And I was like, okay, I'm leaving. And I just walked out of the building. Sounds absolutely horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> what if he didn't leave? What do you think would happen? Um, I don't know. A part of me should have just stayed, but it, there's something super eerie about it. I just did not feel right. That's what you're there for. I know, exactly. I was just saying that earlier, so it doesn't make sense. But for some reason, I it really irked me, and I just I just was like, okay, I'm going to go now. Thank you. And I just walked out. 
you know, I've spoken to a lot of people about the Bigfoot thing and, you know, or, or told stories about things that have happened to me. And um, people say, oh, I would have done this. Or if this happens to me, I would do this. And um, back in the day, I was guilty of that as well. You know, but but nobody knows what you're really going to do until you're actually in that situation. So you, like, okay, Heather, you're a, a, a talented and experienced uh, paranormal investigator. That happened, you left and you're saying, why did I leave? I don't know. You just never know what you're going to do. Um, and I'm sure there's a situation where I'm out there. Um, this has happened. I had a Sasquatch near me and I had a camera in my hand. Now this is mind you back in 99 or 2000 or something a long time ago, but, uh, like I left cause I was scared the hell out of me. Basically, you know, I scared the hell out of me. And even though I was there for that purpose, just, you just never know what you're going to do until it happens to you. So anybody out there who says, I would have done this. That's cute. You keep thinking that you keep thinking that until it happens to you. And then you tell me what you actually did. Yeah, it, it just felt so real. It, it was just, oh, I can still picture myself there. It's so real. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. So you've looked into these shadow things, like ghosts and spirit, and, and like, have you ever worried about, um, Melissa talks about this, and the only reason I know about it, um, about um, something, what does she say, attaching to you, and then you bringing it home? Has that ever happened? Um, it's actually never happened to me, but it's happened to other people I've worked with. Never leaving the bar? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, situations in the early days of paranormal state, I remember doing really serious cases. And then, um, some of our cast members, they all lived in a house together. I didn't, I didn't, I lived elsewhere, but, um, after real serious cases, they would all have experiences and, and it would seem like things would follow them, but I've never had that happen. I think there was one case where, um, something happened in my hotel room, but I mean, I don't know, maybe the room was haunted or I don't know if it would pertain to the case, but I've never had anything follow me. So that's good. And I hope it stays that way. Yeah, that's one of the things that scares me the most about being even tangentially involved in any of this is something following me home. I'm a Bigfoot, again, I don't mind. Have them follow me back. I don't care. I, I live in the great habitat. But as far as like the ghost stuff or – I mean, and, and also here's another thing. People throw around the word demon. It's like why in the world are you messing with things that are even suggested to be demons, whatever that means? Like why do you do you go down those roads as well, or is there just no dividing line as far as things that are spooky and you can't see? So in the early days of Paranormal State, we were one of the show, the earliest shows that went down that that road, and because um, you know we worked with with clients, we would get hundreds of emails from people who, you know, they were terrified to sleep in their home, and and some of it was. Some of it, I believe, was them manifesting things to happen. Maybe they were going through like a stressful time and they were causing objects to move. That's definitely happened. But we did deal with, a, I was on a couple cases where we were dealing with people that maybe in the past, they had unresolved trauma, which left them vulnerable and maybe they never closed the doors to something. And we had a little, we, some some cases like that um, that were kind of scary but, um, I was maybe only on like two or three, but it's definitely feels like a different vibe. I did on one specific one. I remember we worked with Lorraine Warren a lot and I remember her giving this client, um, a holy object and he reacted in like a very negative way. And that was one of the first things I saw where I was like, Oh, like you could tell his eyes were like changing, um, 
all I can say is you had to be there, which is so dumb to say, but um, we definitely did some, some serious cases or in our early days, but I don't really deal with that anymore. I don't really take on many client cases anymore, but. Um, did you ever feel like low self-esteem because you didn't get something following you home? Did you ever feel like, like what's wrong with me? <laughs> no, I never thought about that, but um, I don't know. Maybe I'm too positive or something, or maybe somehow I'm protected. I, I have no idea. You are a very positive person. You radiate it. So uh, maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, that's kind of the only thing. Unless they're just like, she's too weird. We're not going to follow her, you know? So uh, from doing these uh, paranormal conventions, whatever, cryptid and paranormal conventions, the one person who impressed me the most that I could tell, like, was, like, I mean, she seen has some real insights and really saw dead people and all that was Amy Bruni. Have you been out with her? Um, you know, I've never worked with her, but I've chatted with her at events. I'd love to work with her. Yeah, she impressed me. Yeah, I think she, I think she, I actually read her book and um, I remember her experience that kind of got her into all this was really interesting, uh, pertaining to, I think, a house she grew up in. Uh, E.L. John E.L. Tenney always said, that he goes, yep, he's all, she, she's the most impressive one out of the thousand paranormalist he's been out in the field he said she impresses him the most he said that she's absolutely he said she's one of four people you could say absolutely for sure is experiencing this stuff as she says she is yeah i believe it well you know with that why don't we uh we'll close this session down we'll hop over to the member section because i have a whole bunch of questions i want to ask you you've been on a bunch of tv shows i want to know your general thoughts on paranormal tv um if it's a good thing or bad thing what direction it's going what it's like to work on these shows because we have our own thoughts on that we want to share with you and then i want to know s- such burning questions as you know so i have some questions about roller skating um and frankly um this whole language barrier that i experienced with my wife her being from pittsburgh and me not being from pittsburgh i don't know what the hell she's talking about sometimes like what are these words <laughs> she's using so I, I've, I've got some questions about that too you can help me with my marriage and help the communication we have between us so if you can stick around for a member section we'd really love it but before we go um, you have a gig on Wednesday. Tell us about the gig on Wednesday and how people can go see you. November 9th through the 12th, I'm going to an event in Virginia City, Nevada called ComCon 6. Um, if anyone hasn't been to Virginia City, Nevada, it's one of the coolest places ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been there. Yeah, it's super cool. And I'm, I'm doing an event there with uh, a group called Soul Circle Paranormal. Like Aaron Sagers is going to be there. Shane. Oh, he's been on the show. He, he's a great guy. Yeah, so it's it's going to be really fun. I'm looking forward to that. Fantastic. How do they, how do they get uh, information on that? Um, there's a link on my website for it and on my social media as well. But if you go to soulcircleparanormal.com and go to their events tab, um, it has all the information for tickets there. All right, so um, those those links are going to be in the show notes here, and you can look down below if you're listening to this on YouTube. And for any more information about these events or Heather in general, you can go to heathertaddy.com. That's T-A-D-D-Y as the last name, heathertaddy.com. Heather, thank you so much for taking some time for us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Heather. Yeah, no problem. Bobo, take us out of here, and we'll hop over to the member section. All right, folks. Uh, thank you, Heather Taddy, for showing up and uh, enlightening us on the paranormal and we're going to hear some more right now if you go to the patreon section but until then for the rest of y'all y'all keep it squatchy we'll see you next week thanks for listening to this week's episode of bigfoot and beyond if you liked what you heard please rate and review us on itunes 
Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 